You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 541 for December 16th, 2020. On today's show, pianist Lara Driscoll. So I made a little bit of a mistake with this show, which is uh, I'm in the van on the side of the road in Castleton on Hudson, which is in the Hudson Valley of New York State. And if I look out the the, uh, driver's side window of the living space, I can see the Hudson River right there. However, between me and the Hudson River is a road. And it's not a big road, but it's like a paved, you know, one lane each direction highway. And when I parked here, it was just absolutely silent. And as the interview approached, all of a sudden, it became pretty heavy with traffic. So you'll probably hear some car noises in the background when I'm speaking during this interview. And you can probably hear some during this introduction as well. So we live and we learn. Um, Trying to find a good Wi-Fi signal meant getting near a larger road, or not Wi-Fi, but uh, cell phone signal. And getting near a larger road meant the sound of the cars that are going by and occasionally large trucks and an Amtrak passenger train. (laughs) So look, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. I'll get better at this as I go along. Um, I'll figure it out. You know, everything will be cool. Anyway, today's show exists because people like you become members. Thank you to last week's guest, uh, Elena Ekimov, who became a member in between last week's show and today, which is amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, if you have not yet become a member, you can do it for five or ten bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. People who are members this week will receive actually a, a kind of additional track related to this main interview because Laura Driscoll, today's guest, is part of a husband and wife piano duo, as you'll hear about in the episode. And her husband is going to give us kind of a behind the scenes of one of the tracks on the record. His name is Chris White. So become a member today for five or ten bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join and help me keep doing what I'm doing, uh, probably in a better parking spot next time. So as I mentioned, Lara and Chris have a new duo album out called Firm Roots. Driscoll, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thanks for having me. 
It's my pleasure. Um, I found out about uh, you and the duo that you have with your husband, Chris White, called Firm Roots Duo, um, when I got sent the album Firm Roots, and I really just I just liked it right from the start. Um, I, I can kind of go either way on piano duos, and this one just seemed so kind of sympathetic, uh, you know, each person's playing to the other and so full of joy that it really just leapt out at me. So I'm really glad to have you here to talk about it. And I guess maybe the f- the first place to start is just to talk about how you two decided to record a duo record. Well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that, the kind words, and we're really excited to be putting this album out. Um, we've been talking about it for, for a long time. Uh, we met in 2008, and we've been playing together since, but we just never actually formalized the duo. And yeah, we're 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 thrilled and and uh, tried to you know reflect our different inspirations, like our own our own experiences, but also some joint experiences, like with travel and with nature. And it's been it's been a blast. I don't think this will surprise you very much, but I have to jump right to track five on this record and ask you about it because for the title is, uh, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, Jalophony, basically uh, like jalopy and phony kind of combined. And um, as given that I'm recording this in a van and this song was inspired <laughs> by a road trip that, that you took in uh, perhaps a similarly questionable mode of transportation i just wanted to ask a little bit about that story and i think that might give us a little flavor of uh you and your musical adventures as well yeah (laughs) well we uh originally called the van the jazz jalopy because we really thought it was just a hilarious way to travel with a couple jazz musicians performing it was it was quite noisy and and quite a scene usually when we would pull up to a, a venue people would definitely want to check out the Toyota Coachman. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it was a, a colorful way to travel, let's just say. We just thought that the the intro was fitting to represent that that sort of repetitive motion of, of you know, the, the sounds of the chugging of the, of the RV down the highway. We had to drive really slow. We were driving like 40 or 50 miles per hour. I'm not sure if you're in that in that situation in your van hopefully not um, i am not but no we just... thankfully <laughs> but we we had a good time joking around about it and 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 just having a very uh, humbling experience did i also read that it had a broken fuel gauge that seems to add a little layer of excitement that maybe yeah. <laughs> is not necessary but kind of fun <laughs> yes it had a broken fuel gauge and so we had to be careful you know to fill up and like to just have a good idea of how many miles we were going to drive from one destination to the next and drive slow. And um, I have to say it made us think a lot about, you know, taking our time in life and just making sure that we're enjoying the moment, which I think is sometimes challenging 
in our society. So I, I think it's really cool that you're you're living in a van. I actually recently saw um, a PBS special on on folks living in vans, and it was it was fascinating, like all the different stories and. Um, yeah, it included yeah. some people I know, as a matter of fact, uh, some of the people who inspired oh, really? me to do what I'm doing. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. Um, now, one question I had when I read that you guys had traveled together is that you're you're both piano players. So was this an ensemble that had two pianists in it? Yeah, so we, we did some playing. We played in Thailand and we played in Japan. Um, and it's it's tricky sometimes to find, you know, venues that have two pianos. Um, but we, we found that people really went out of their way to make it happen for us when we were when we were doing so. And um, and and I think it is a little bit more rare to see a piano duo. But, um, you know, we really wanted to be able to travel together and play, which a lot of times our work takes us in different directions since we, we play a lot with other musicians obviously so um it's been it's been a challenge to find even a venue to record we had to uh look around a little bit to find a place with two pianos and it's a very different experience playing without bass and drums and all that and and we really enjoy the challenge of trying to make it work and like trying to figure out the textures and and you know what what range to play in and all of that so As you mentioned, just the logistical challenge of a two piano tour sounds pretty daunting. I mean, that most jazz clubs can barely fit a piano. And, right. you know, then to have two of them, I mean, if, you know, if you have two horn players, no one thinks twice about it. If you have two piano players, I mean, <laughs> it seems like you can play stadiums. Like I once saw Elton John and Billy Joel and they both played a piano and we were in a football stadium and that all seemed to fit just <laughs> quite fine. But I can't imagine the same thing in like the Village Vanguard or something. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it is hard enough sometimes to even have one good piano, right? So, so to have two. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we played one music school actually in um, Japan that was particularly um, lovely and in, in, in the sense that like everybody sort of worked together to make it happen. I, I felt like the reception was really, really um, hospitable, which um, I mean, was typical of our, our whole trip in general in Japan. But we found that when we're traveling, people go out of their way just to, you know, to make sure that we had what we needed to make to make the show happen. So that's cool. 
Let's talk about the name of both the duo and the album, Firm Roots. Will you talk about where that comes from? Yeah. So Firm Roots obviously is the Cedar Walton composition. And um, we, we thought it was fitting. We both are huge Cedar fans and we have, you know, a great love for the tradition of the music and like history and and all of that. And, you know, we're a family. So we, we think about our, you know, the roots of our own family and, and, and how that um, comes into play when we're when we're defining our ensemble sound, and also Chris has become an avid gardener. So we've we've been doing a lot of thinking about nature and and growing our own food, and um, it's been really a fun adventure for him. He um, you know finally has his own green space, and I mostly reap the benefits. You know I get to eat all of the great food that he grows, but we've been enjoying the pleasures of watching plants grow and and just you know observing mother nature hey if you can eat the food and not have to weed i mean you you have arranged <laughs> your life perfectly <laughs> i have to say i get the, the better end of the stick i think but he really enjoys it he's a morning person so he he goes out there and he waters and he's just he's just really into it um it's been a really great hobby for him that was developed later you know he did he lived in apartments for a long time and and now we have a garden and and it's just it's been fun to watch Let's take a quick break from my conversation just to talk about Patreon. You can become a member for 5 or 10 bucks a month. At the $5 level, you get a bonus track of the week every week. At the $10 level, you get that plus an extra bonus monthly episode. Uh, those have been just a little bit sporadic recently, but should become regular now that van life is settling in and I kind of know what I'm doing, which is, well, know what I'm doing in enormous air quotes. Uh, anyway, go to thejazzsession.com slash join to become a member. I thank you in advance, and I thank very much all the people who already are members. Now, back to the interview. two of you meet? We met in Champaign-Urbana, so we were in school. Um, we actually were in an improv class together, and there was no bass player. So there were three piano players, and it was a small class, maybe like six six or seven people with three piano players. So we would rotate. We had two pianos in the room, and, and one of us would have to play bass lines because we didn't have a bass player. And so we would spend a lot of time, you know, like after the class talking about how that was and how it was a different different experience because of that and then we would end up you know walking to the next class together and eventually we decided we actually wanted to um, look for a place 
where we could play a duo gig. And it's funny because at the time, I mean, we just, we never really got that together. We were in school, we were busy, and Chris was actually commuting from Chicago. He was still living in Chicago and kind of doing school part-time. Well, not part-time, but it was like, a, you know, uh, during the week and then he would go back for gigs on the weekends and that kind of thing and I was finishing up my uh, my undergrad so that's where we met and then since then we've kind of traveled all over the place I lived in Montreal for a couple years and we lived you know off and on in Chicago together and now we're finally settled in Chicago um, but yeah he's originally from from Canada so um, Chicago is where he kind of made his home but uh, we met you know in school so I love the idea of you two looking for a two piano. Like, hey, let's go find a place where we can play a two piano show. That's like, let's go find a place where we can play a 14 harp show or something, you know, something <laughs> like that. Like, there's, that place doesn't, there's no place like that. I mean, there was, there was, yeah, there was a coffee shop actually called the Red Herring. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Champaign-Urbana, but it's, a, it's actually a pretty iconic spot. And we went to go play the two pianos and we love that place. I mean, it's one, one of these classic, you know, small offers um you know vegetarian menu and like has you know people coming and reading poetry and and you know performing and all this it's a really cool place it's got a long history um but the two pianos were like a half step off from each other so we, t- we tried to play together and it was it was entertaining it's like the, automatic honky-tonk yeah and then the other place was like a in, in urbana at the time at least was um a dueling piano bar so <laughs> you know the vibe was like singing and playing top 40 and stuff which isn't as much what we do so it was entertaining though we, we had a good time looking around almost the only thing other than having met and interviewed other people who went to champagne urbana the only thing i know about it uh is that in the book 2001 it's where hal 9000 was invented or huh. built yeah <laughs> that's literally all i know about it and that's a fictional piece of knowledge <laughs> about the town where you went to school <laughs> not an actual true fact about the town where yeah. you went to school it's a pretty cool place i mean i i have to say it has a pretty hip uh local jazz scene um there's a place called um the iron post that's been around for a long time and and before that some other venues and and some local musicians really make the scene quite quite interesting and i i was happy to be playing quite a bit in my undergrad i was playing like three four nights a week you know, paying my way through school on gigs, which was, which was pretty surprising to me at the time, you know, and, and there's a good art scene in general. I think there's a strong um, support of, of the arts because of the university. So it's a cool place to, to go to school. Yeah, that's really great. I, you know, and I think that is true of a surprising number of places in the U.S. I mean, about a decade ago, I went on a tour of the eastern part of the U.S. and the eastern part of Canada by bus, and I interviewed jazz musicians in places outside major cities for the most part. I I did hit a few bigger cities, but for the most part, I was in, you know, kind of smaller towns, and I was surprised how many, you know, places I would think of as kind of smaller towns had enough musicians to have, like, a cool scene where stuff was happening. People were writing original music as well as, you know, playing standards and that kind of thing. And there were, you know, multiple players on most of the instruments. I mean, it's, I think we think of jazz as only existing in major cities a lot of the time. And that's just really not the case. 
Yeah, totally. Um, that makes me think of a clinic I, I saw where Matt Wilson was talking about the importance of playing in small town and towns and living in small towns and like making a scene wherever you are. Um, just, you know, not everyone has to live in New York or not everyone has to live in Chicago or, you know, those major cities. Um, it, it enriches the whole, you know, space if, if, if we think about bringing the music wherever we are. Let's turn our attention to the music that's on uh, the Firm Roots record, which is, I was going to say it's a mix of standards and original composition, but actually um, you have to stretch the definition of standard to incorporate at least one of the tunes, I guess only one of the (laughs) tunes that you play on here, which is, uh, that's what friends are for, which is certainly a standard on the radio, but not a standard in the way we usually use the word. Um, So maybe before we talk about uh, the original compositions, will you tell me about how, uh, how you chose Firm Roots is pretty clear, but will you tell me about how you decided out of all the stuff there is to play uh, to include the other three songs that you chose that you guys didn't write? Yeah. Um, well, Willow Weave for me, I mean, uh, the, the tree connection plus the, um, you know, we wanted to include a, a, a female composer, uh, as uh, for sure, at least one. And we, um, we wanted to just like the, the, the tune is just so classic and willow, willow trees are, are my favorite tree. And I have really good, um, memories of, of climbing actually a willow tree in my neighborhood as a kid and, and sitting up there and writing my journal. And, um, there's just a a nostalgic connection with that tune. Plus it's bluesy and, you know, we, we like to, um, you know, have a connection with the roots of the music as well. Um, so that, that was fun to include and song for my father, um, is, is somewhat a dedication to our parents who have been really supportive and, um, you know, just instrumental in making, making it possible for us to have careers in music. Chris also started thinking about, you know, that tune in particular is, is like one of the iconic jam session tunes where everybody plays it. And, you know, the form often gets screwed up because it's, it's not AABA and, and, um, it's just one of those tunes where, well, first of all, Horace Silver is a huge inspiration for us, but it's like one of the overplayed tunes, but we, we wanted to do something different with it and um, make it our own with a little bit reharmonization and some some different hits and things. So 
we thought that was fun to include. And then that's what friends are for. So it's a lot about the sentiment of the tune, the lyrics, um, you know, the, we wanted to have um, a ballad that reflected a little bit our relationship, you know, our emphasis on the importance of family and friends and, and connections with people. Um, and it's also, it was used in our, in our wedding as well, as was Firm Roots, which I have to say was pretty funny um, for all the jazz musicians in the audience. For a, a wedding recessional to have uh, Firm Roots by Cedar Walton was, was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably but, happened a total of one time. <laughs> yeah, appropriate for two piano players. <laughs> yeah, that's fabulous. One more break from the interview to thank the folks who make the jazz session possible, starting, of course, with the members who support it, and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music, and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him at hearchucknow.com. Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at Jazz Sesh and on Instagram at The Jazz Session. You can take a second right now to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really improves my ability to reach new listeners. If you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast, my poetry, my van travels, and more, subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link at the top of the page. Now, back to the interview. I could be misremembering this, and I know you guys don't sing the lyrics on That's What Friends Are For, but those a woman wrote the words, didn't she? I th- didn't, like, Carol yes. Bear Sanger write the lyrics to that song? Yeah, yeah. So they, I think they co-wrote the music and the lyrics, although I, I'm not totally clear. I think there might be some discrepancy about it, but, um, but yeah, they were, they were married at one point, and, um, yeah. Cool. I have uh, this apropos of nothing and having nothing to do with anything except that you have a Dionne Warwick song in your record. I have recently gone down a, a Bacharach David Warwick rabbit hole, and my lord, there is so much good music in that yeah. in that canon. I mean, just just like these little pop music symphonies that are so amazing. And I actually think there's a lot of stuff in there that could be mined for improvisation that normally doesn't get covered, even by people who kind of bring in songs from like the pop realm. Um, I would love to see more stuff, you know, from their their collaboration be improvised on because I think there's a lot of kind of rich harmonies in there and and so many people know the tunes that it's kind of an easy way to bring an audience in. Uh, just well, the, my opinion, and I'm not a pianist. But. Absolutely, and the harmonies lend themselves. I mean, we found it it fun to to reharmonize that tune. I mean, the the melody is is so great, and then you know the the harmonies lend themselves to jazz 
chords and all that. And I think, you know, we we tend to think less about genres when we're thinking about tunes that we could potentially play because it's really about the interpretation of the tune at, at a certain point. Of course, we have a you know a deep love for the the standards like the great american songbook and all all of that but um, we both play a lot of different kinds of music so it's it's fun to explore how we can treat you know different kinds of music in the duo setting I think I I mentioned this in the intro, but I just want to remind folks that if you are a member of the Jazz Session, Chris is going to do a Track of the Week episode this week in which he dissects one of the tracks on this record. But I I was curious, kind of at a a meta level, Laura, for you to talk about how you two work together as composers, especially given that you play the same instrument. I'm really curious about how that collaboration works. We have different strengths. I think one thing that works well to our advantage is we have a connection with the tradition of the music we've we've had some pretty straight ahead sort of experiences in terms of like education and and playing a lot of tunes and that kind of thing so we we have a common like shared language but then we also both write our own original music so it's it's fun to work together because we we kind of feel like we speak the same language and we have like I said we have different strengths so so for example Chris is really good at starting tunes so like he will often be the one to like come up with the first initial you know like the a section or 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 maybe like the first riff or whatever and then I really like to um, evolve it from there and like continue the work and then we we go back and we kind of take turns often at first and then we play what the other person wrote and then we we talk about different ways to harmonize the melody or you know different approaches to the the rhythm or whatever and then ultimately you know play it together and then we finalize it so it's a very collaborative process but it doesn't always happen like not all of it happens together like sometimes we'll do some individual work and then and then come back together and and uh, it's really cool to have another piano player listen to you know your own writing just because we we play the same instrument, so like, it's it's fun to <laughs> to be able to have someone else play how you might play your own tune, as opposed to like another instrument playing the tune. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, that's really fascinating. I hadn't I hadn't considered that. How do you determine like spaces for improvisation and whether you're you're 
both going to have those and during the course of the arrangement, you know, kind of who takes which role, things like that? Well, sometimes it can be tricky because, you know, like the role of the accompanist versus the role of the improviser might be in like a different range of the instrument. So sometimes we have to kind of think about it like in advance in terms of like, okay, you'll solo first because otherwise we might be like on the other side of the piano and then all of a sudden start out to, you know, it's our turn to solo or something like that. Um, but we've been, you know, we, we've been playing for a long time together and we, we do also playing where we just call tunes and 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 when we do that it's maybe a little bit less like organized in terms of like you play here and it's more like a a regular jam session with with other musicians where you know you just kind of make eye contact or you somebody starts and then you you trade off and um, but we found for the record it was fun to really kind of decide okay you're going to solo first on this tune maybe we want to approach this tune with like this kind of uh, accompaniment. I mean, it made it a little bit more orchestrated in terms of the texture. So like, okay, I'm going to play the melody in octaves or I'm going to, you know, and then of course things would change like, cause that's, that's playing jazz, but it was, it was, uh, a thoughtful kind of approach for the album. You know, I was struck when listening to this record that there were several times on it when I was listening to a tune and thinking, oh yeah, I can't think of the name of this song, but uh, yeah, I really, I, I recognize it. And then realizing that it was an original composition, I had never heard it before. And I think you, you guys are just really skillful at writing tunes. And I really do mean this as a compliment, writing tunes that you feel like you've heard before, which to me is like a really cool thing about music. I mean, I, I think when a song instantly feels familiar, that's, that's really special, especially if it's a song that has no business instantly feeling familiar because you've literally never heard it until that second. So I was struck throughout the album by the original compositions just feeling like, oh, yeah, these fit right in with, you know, I feel like these are just a part of the world of my listening experience, um, which I thought was really cool. That's really nice. That's really cool to hear. I mean, a strong melody is is definitely one of our goals and um, hopefully that came through. But that's a really nice compliment. We really appreciate that. Were there any particular challenges in recording this album? Um, You know, just kind of having all of those fingers and keys moving in the same space. I'm just I'm curious if there were any any particular difficulties in actually getting the recording down. 
Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, finding a place. We sure. we looked we looked at a few different studios and like it's hard to find a studio that has a good piano and then it's hard to find one that has two good pianos, almost impossible. And so we were looking at like some different music schools and like different, you know, on-site situations. Sometimes we had, you know, there were like issues where there would be HVAC or some other problem with the space. So ultimately we found this really great uh, little music store that's actually not far from our place. And we brought our engineer there and they actually have a recording studio for one piano at the music store, but we needed two pianos. So we are either going to have to have them move one in to the studio, or we decided to just record in the showroom. So there was a showroom of Bosendorfers, um, which of course I'm probably not saying right. <laughs> I'm sure I will be criticized for that, but um, yeah, Bosendorfer That's how pianos. I would have said it. So you're fine with me. <laughs> Which of course, you know, Oscar Peterson played and like a lot a lot of great pianists love that that brand of pianos and they're rare, they're not seen everywhere. So we, we explored them a little bit, thinking, Oh, maybe we can use these like in the studio and then ultimately we just decided to use that that showroom. And at first the the, the owner of the of the store was a little surprised because you know they have a whole recording studio, but it was it was so cool because you know two beautiful pianos right next to each other, and then the only issue was how do we how do we have the recording engineer set up? So he actually was in a closet, tucked away, <laughs> and, and and he was trying to be really quiet and and also to not use the light in the closet, which was funny because we had a videographer, so he didn't want to have the light on with with like, the reflection. But he did a great job. I mean, there's literally a car wash next to the music store, and I don't think you can hear it uh, at all on the recording. At least I I don't know if you if you did, but I I haven't. So he did a really good job of like making sure that the sound was going to be the best possible. As a guy recording an interview for his actual job next to a busy highway, I'd be the last <laughs> person to say if I had heard the car wash <laughs> in, in the album anywhere. I. I live in an almost literal glass house and will be casting no stones where uh, <laughs> extraneous recording noise is concerned. But I yeah. love everything about that story. I can totally imagine the store owner's point of view because it's like, you know, we here's this recording studio. Oh, we decided to do it in the lobby, actually, if that's OK. <laughs> yeah. I totally get how it must have seemed. And also, I there's just something like it, this was recorded in Skokie, Illinois, right? Like right. in a music store in Skokie that. Everything about that is just beautiful. It just it's like a throwback to like the 1940s. Like I don't know anything about Skokie except that I know I've heard of it. Maybe it's in a song or it's like Cucamonga, California. Like I'm not even sure if it's real. I just I've heard Mel Blanc say it a bunch of times. And so I just I love the fact that it's like two of you in a piano store playing a rare brand of piano that you don't normally use next to an actual studio built for the purpose of recording pianos that you decided not to use. <laughs> next to a car wash it's like it couldn't be better it literally could not be better well and and what was funny is we had to do it on the day when this like the store was closed because otherwise there would be like the doorbell you know so he was like sure i'll just have the store i mean they they were so nice it was it was really fun and you know another challenge was just like play you know getting to play two beautiful pianos like in such a live small space just because we don't have that at home you know like so, such amazing instruments so um just getting used to those pianos was was a joy but 
a challenge also. I'm not sure when this was recorded, you know, vis-a-vis the pandemic, but did you get a chance to maybe like play a live CD release show in that store? It seems like it would have been kind of a lovely end point to the process. <laughs> um, no, we haven't, unfortunately, due to the pandemic. But, um, you know, maybe at some point we will. Uh, the actual little showroom that we're in, I don't think you could fit a lot of people. So we'd probably have to play, you know, out in the main showroom. So I'm not sure how they would do that with seating and stuff. But we well, you could just pay- pipe it into the car wash and people could hear it as they drive through. <laughs> I, I think you got to expand your vision on this thing here, Laura. Yeah, well, we hope to do some live streaming from home. We do now finally have our two pianos next to each other at home. So hopefully we'll be able to do that. But um, yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be a fun place. We could even live stream from the store. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> yeah, I will absolutely watch. I don't know if you if you have or are planning to have children, but that strikes me as the two piano plus baby household strikes me as a really challenging set of circumstances. <laughs> I don't know if you've already had to encounter that or have any thoughts of encountering it, but I can only imagine like there's no there's no quiet way to practice a <laughs> piano duo. No, I mean, that that would be interesting. And, um, you know, we haven't had to 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 deal with that challenge yet but yeah i mean there's not just two pianos that's the problem like there's there's keyboards <laughs> like um sure we we also teach remotely now so we each have our keyboard set up for remote teaching because that way we can use the pianos for practicing and for other things which is a lot of pianos i have to say <laughs> so you, we your also house have basically a- looks like an Emerson like in Palmer concert in like 1974 or something. Like, there's just stacks of key instruments everywhere. Yeah, there's a couple of melodicas. Actually, on the on the road trip where we traveled in the jalopy, you know, most of the places that we went didn't have two pianos. Sometimes we would use a keyboard and a piano or something like that. But we also had melodica with us that we we would rotate. Sometimes like one of us would play melodica, one of us would play piano, and then. People were sometimes confused, like, why are they sharing a melodica? <laughs> it was really funny. But um, a very different experience to play a melodica than than two nice, beautiful grands, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so before we close, now that folks have heard a little sneak peek of the record, um, let's tell them how to get it and how to find out more about uh, Firm Roots, the duo, and the album. We are excited to be putting out this record uh, in January, so January 22nd, 2021. And um, you can find it on either of our websites, so lauradriscoll.com or chriswhitepiano.com. And I hope you enjoy checking it out. My guest for this show has been Laura Driscoll, one half of the Firm Roots duo. And as you just heard, the album Firm Roots comes out in January. Uh, A reminder that if you're a member of the show, Chris, the other half of the duo, will be uh, putting out a track of the week this week. And we'll go a little deeper into one of the tracks in particular. And and Chris will uh, kind of guide us through it. Laura, it's been just an absolute joy to talk to you. I thank you so much for taking the time to do it. And uh, I hope uh, you'll come back and talk to me again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks to my guest this week, Laura Driscoll. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do become a member for $5 or $10 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz recorded in a van on The Jazz Session.
Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.